You've lived a great life and done well for yourself. But what mark will you leave on the world? How will you inspire future generations? Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand have helped thousands of people answer exactly those questions. If you've ever wondered, what will be my legacy? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Your Life, Your Legacy podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Stan and Katie Beth. Well, Allison, thank you so much. And thanks to everybody joining us today. Today, Stan and I are here with Allison Kierman, who is an estate planning attorney and has all sorts of great information to share with us. So Allison, to get us started off, why don't you tell us a little bit about what it is that made you get started in this interest in this industry? So it was a couple of things. I grew up with my grandparents on a really big or small, depending, ranch and farm in Texas. And they told me I could be a doctor, a lawyer, or a teacher. I became a lawyer and I really like it. But I watched sort of every AMC historical Western movie that came on. And there was always the thought that you had to sell the farm to pay the taxes. So kind of, it was ingrained in me early on that if we wanted to keep the family farm and ranch going, we were going to have to do some planning for it. And I was with my grandparents when they did their plans sort of long ago when the state tax exemption limit was much lower. And it just sort of was something that I was interested in. And I love the lawyers that they worked with. And I decided I would be one of those one day. That is fantastic. So is that what led you to pursue like wills and trust and estate planning in particular as your focus? Absolutely. I did some other things, you know, sort of as a baby lawyer at a big firm. I did a whole bunch of different things, but I really found that estate planning was where my heart is. People come to me and they talk to me about their lives all day, every day. And it's just really enjoyable. I feel a part of their family. I make plans that I know they're going to use, right? Everything that I do is usable at some point in the future. And that gives me a lot of self-fulfillment. That's fantastic. So that leads me right into our next question, which is, through what you do as a career, Allison, what is it that you hope, what legacy is it that you hope to leave behind? You know, a lot of my personal legacy is with my family. My daughter is super cute. She says now she's going to work at the law firm one day. And this weekend we were out of town and she had this cute little mug in it that said boss lady. And I took her picture to save it for the future in case she is one one day. You know, with my clients, my legacy is just to do a good job for them and to know that if something happens to them, everything will be taken care of right? Their plans are good plans. They don't have loopholes. There's not mistakes in them. They can really rely upon and count on the documents that I've prepared for them. That's great. So you talk a lot just in some different speeches that you've given and on your website. I can tell you're very family oriented, which is wonderful. How does being a wife and a mom, how does that, you bill yourself very much as a caretaker. Does that experience come from your experience as a wife and mom? And how does that affect what you do and how you connect with your clients? I think it's both. Definitely being a mother helps. I, some of my clients, I think I'm mothering them, right? I have some younger clients and some of them were very financially successful. And I feel like I just want to take care of them and make sure they don't make mistakes. You know, things that people did for me when I was young or advice I wish people had given me when I was younger. For my older clients, I think sometimes the role is a little bit reversed. They give me parenting advice, which I love. I'm always happy to get someone's good ideas and make sure that I'm doing what I can for my family. That's great. So Stan, because you and Allison have so much in common with your backgrounds with estate planning and and those things, what questions do you have for Allison and how she runs her business? Yeah, I do have a couple, actually. So let me say first, 
Pleasure to meet you. And this, also just want to comment, pleased to see that you're a Wealth Council member. That's an organization I co-founded a long time ago when you were much younger. And I hope you're getting real value from it. I'm no longer a stakeholder in it, but I'm really proud of the team there. And I'm really proud to have been a part of creating that. One of the things I've learned in all my in my experience in over the years in interacting with Wealth Council members is that when I find an estate planning attorney that that's really passionate about the work they do, I find there are a few things that they do that are unique and distinctive to their process. It's different things for different people. And I know what it is for me. I don't know what it is for you, but I'm guessing you do. And I'm curious if you could speak to what, you know, what that is. One of the big things that I pride myself on is I go, I draft the plans my clients want, not the plans I think they should have or the plans that are easiest for me to draft. So I ask a lot of really personal questions. I had a family in today. They're a blended family. We were really specific about what money would look like if one of them passed for the other person's kids, right? What is that on a monthly basis, on an annual basis? Can you buy a kid a car at 16 or not? You know, so I really just try to be specific in terms of what the money is used for if there is a death of a family. You know, that actually, one of the things I discovered is that the whole issue of planning for the possibility of the remarriage of the spouse after the first death is one of the issues that doesn't get explored very often because it's so sensitive and it requires a certain amount of confidence, I think, and courage on the part of the estate planner to, to, to really lean into that and really initiate a discussion with clients. I'm pleased to see that you do that. I really get a sense that you really have learned how to connect with clients, how to create rapport, how to get them to kind of forget they're in a meeting and open up their heart and really talk to you. I get the sense that you know what I'm talking about, right? Absolutely. I tell my clients the hardest thing they did was come to the appointment. And after that, I'm going to take care of them, right? I'm not going to let them forget. I'm not going to let them have drafts for three years. Like we're going to get it done. And it does require being vulnerable. Sometimes I have to be vulnerable also, right? I can talk about my family all day, how much dance would cost my trustee one day if needed, right? So that is like an important part of the relationship that I have with my clients. Yep. So at the beginning of the conversation, you were talking about being raised on a farm. I was raised on a farm also. It was a dairy farm, which is probably the worst kind of farming, actually, because you, you have no days off. It's 24-7, 365. But I'm curious, are there, in your practice now, are there niches that you have, specific kinds of, kinds of clients that you serve or specific things that you do that you think you're particularly good at? I think it depends. I like to think that I'm good with most any client because I want to know what their goals are and we get there, right? Obviously, people who have family farms and family ranches, I have personal experience. My grandparents have passed. We now have trustee issues. And, you know, I have real life practical advice to offer people or just experiences to share. And I can tell you what's gone right, and what's gone wrong and where to look for things. The same with vacation homes, right in Arizona, we have a lot of snowbirds. It's like, are you keeping right. the house or not? What does it look like to keep the house? Who's paying for the maintenance in 20 years, right? So those are really interesting things that I get to do. I have kids. Anybody with kids is a good client because I want to hear about their kids and how they want to protect them, whether their grandparents are a good guardian or not. So there's a lot of different aspects, I think, of my life that I definitely bring to the table in my planning. You have a lot of opportunities to do planning for farmers and ranchers in Phoenix. I wouldn't think you're in Phoenix, right? I am. So I would say there are a number of farms and ranches throughout Arizona, right? So I don't just work here in Phoenix or Scottsdale. I have a lot of clients throughout Arizona. We have a lot of people who live here now as their primary residence, but they still have farm interests. A lot of them maybe are just mineral interests now all over, 
Right. So I definitely have clients who have real estate in other places. So I might be working as part of a team with other attorneys. Okay. You say your practice is not just in Phoenix and you mentioned Arizona. Do you practice outside of Arizona also? No, I practiced across Arizona. That's where I'm licensed. So it's it's people who are primary residents within Arizona. But if they have property in other places or interests other places, you know, that's something that we have to tackle yeah, with sure. a comprehensive plan. So I've never been a mom, probably never will be. But I'm, so I'm wondering, how do you balance this? How do you have this mom work-life balance? How do you manage that? It's not always easy, right? So I think you have to acknowledge that you're going to drop a ball or two every now and then. I set up my work life very similar, though, to my kids' life, right? So I work when they're at school or activities, and when they're off, I try to take off, right? So last Friday, my daughter was on ball break. It's very hard for me as a mom to work when my kids are working because I'm either distracted or I feel too guilty. So we actually used the day to go on a field trip. We went to a place, um, an arboretum in Northern Arizona, where a lot of my clients donate money. So it was kind of a combination work play day with her. We had a lot of fun. We got to see some sites and I got to say that I learned something from my clients in terms of their donations. But that really is the biggest thing is if my kids aren't working, it's very hard for me to work. You mentioned charitable contributions about clients. I'm curious, do you initiate that conversation or do you wait for the clients to bring it up with you? So it's both. I mean, my estate planning agenda that I have with every client when I meet is always a question, who else do you want to give money to? Family, friends, charities, schools. And then if that's interesting to them, they tell me. Some people come here and a client came earlier. She has no family. It's 100% going to charity. And that's all we talked about for an hour. So it really depends on the circumstance. But I do ask every client if they want to give to a charity. One thing I noticed in your bio was that just brought a smile to my face. Obviously, you're a mom. You're very interested in making sure that, you know, children have guardians and those things. But I also laughed because you talk in your bio a lot about pets and how significant pets are. And so is that something that you talk to all of your clients about? Is that something that, you know, is a personal story and is of personal significance to you that makes you bring that up? It's not something I feel like a lot of estate planning attorneys think about when they are building their clients' plans. And so what is it that made you realize how important pets were when talking about future plans for your clients? So the checklist I mentioned before of things I ask every client also includes pets. I ask every client, do you have pets we should talk about? So that's two part, right? Do you have a pet and are they important to your plan? Because some people say I have pets, but I don't want to talk about them for my plan. And other people are like, yes, and I want to give $17,000 per pet to their caretaker. And these are my five list of options. Great. I will put it down. One of the charities I visited a couple of years ago was Best Friends Animal Sanctuary because a lot of my clients actually donate pets and our money to them as part of their plans. Very neat. Very, It's very unique. I don't think a lot of estate planning attorneys think through that all the time. So I, that really brought a smile to my face when I saw that. Stan, do you have any other questions for Allison? I'm curious, are you doing pet trust? Is that part of the structure sometimes? Yes, usually it's like a sub. I would say part of it is no, it's just an outright, here's my cat and 17 grand yeah. and I'm trusting you right? That is much easier to manage from a sub-trust perspective. Some people, they want to know that the money is truly going for the pet. So there is a pet trust, sub-trust, right? I don't know if you did this. Wealth Council offers that now, which is really great. It makes it easier for me. But again, it's just something I want to know what my clients care about. And then the plans show what they care about. 
Yeah, those were all of my questions. Allison, do you have any any thoughts, any comments you want to share? And let me ask any wisdom, actually. You've been doing how long have you been doing this? So I've been practicing since 2005. So that's a while. A so, that, yeah. so you've learned some things. So if you're going to distill what you've learned into, you know, one or two or three points about estate planning in particular, what would that be? I think from a professional perspective, the best way to be successful is just to be consistent, right? What do you do every single day? right? I ask all my questions, the exact same questions every day. So I'm not forgetting or giving somebody a better plan than the other. I think there are a lot of estate attorneys around, right? Great. I hope that everybody can give you good documents, right? I try to make myself special by saying, do your documents reflect your goals, your ambitions, right? Who you care about. You don't have to like all your kids. It's okay. I don't judge you, right? But that's something we want to talk about when putting together a good plan. Those are the things that are important to me. And I think if attorneys take what matter to them and put it to their practice, they're really good attorneys. Yeah. It, Fantastic. Find, and great advice. Yeah. One of my biggest challenges is not projecting onto my clients what my own answers would be to those questions and making certain that it's really the client's answers, not my, not me hypnotizing them into adopting my answer. Absolutely. You know, one of my friends said it to me really well and I didn't realize. She said, you gave us our options and then let us choose, which I thought was like a very nice way to say it. So I am careful not to be like judgmental, right? I say that all the time. There's no judgment here. You can tell me whatever you want. And that's what I'm going to make your documents say. And again, that is what leads to really fascinating conversations. So I think there's less opportunity for judgment because you get to understand why they're making the decisions they're making. Yep. Yeah, totally. That's agree. great. Building that strong relationship with those clients and making them comfortable sharing whatever it is they need to share. Right. Fantastic. I don't know about, I have a lot of divorce right now. I don't know if you're mm-hmm. seeing, but like it's breaking my heart so many post COVID divorces and like change of plans I'm doing. That Ooh. was actually one of my other questions for you was did COVID have an impact on your business? I was crazy busy during COVID. Some of that, from a mom's perspective, is I just had more time right? Because we weren't doing anything else. So I worked a tremendous amount. People had a need for a plan and they wanted it done now, right? Like how soon can you get this done? Um, And so that was good. Now we're much more just like regular, right? It's not as crazy frenzied. It's just regular workflow. But like I said, it has been a lot of divorces and it kind of breaks my heart. It's, it'll be interesting. Clients, right. Older. These are older clients. Most of them are 40s. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's, yeah. It will be interesting. I think we'll see the ripple effects like that of COVID for years and years to come. So hopefully, hopefully the divorce trend will start to decline soon. I know that's, that's heartbreaking to have to do. Is there anything else we didn't cover in our interview today, Allison? I mean, I think you asked me a lot of secrets. I would love to hear what Stan's secrets to success are. So I don't think it's a secret, actually. I think it's close the door and create rapport with clients and get them to forget that they're talking to a lawyer and just pour their heart out to you. And if you really listen, I think if you really listen authentically and ask those questions, you know, those questions about, you know, tell me about your kids, tell me about your parents, tell me about your grandkids, tell me about the things you're involved in, your church, your community. Uh, tell me what's important to you. Tell me about your business, you know, and if that's important or not. I think if you just prod people and get them to talk to you, then I think maybe the secret is that the the answers aren't that difficult. You know, the answer is actually, when you've done this a while, the answers, I mean, the tools are all there. It's really a, 
a matter of how do you assemble the documents that have those components that really address the client's authentic issues. The challenge is to get clients to really be open with you so that you know what those issues actually are. And and I will say that obviously you you enjoy this, but you know, this is to me, I've never felt like I, I worked a day when I was doing meetings with clients. This is, I mean, it, it is a joy, isn't it? I mean, just the connection that you make. And I feel like on so many days I've come home and told my wife, I'm a better person for having done this today because of the wisdom and insight the clients shared with me. I think they this work is healthy and I think it makes you a better person. No, that's beautiful. Thank you. Well, thanks everybody for listening today. This has been the Your Life, Your Legacy podcast with hosts Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. And our guest today was Allison Lee Kierman. Allison, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I so appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Your Life, Your Legacy podcast with Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To find out more about Stan and Katie Beth, go to PinnacleLegacyLaw.com. You can also find links in the show notes.